March 16th, 2023. We're in Masechet Beza and Daf Yod Aleph, Amud Bet. If you count from the top, 11 lines from the top of the Amud. First word on the line. Says the Gemara, Ve'amar Ula. We're going to pick up with his statement again. Ula counted three circumstances where the rabbis, hitiru, they said it was permitted, something that in a general, normal sense, would have been forbidden, rabbinically speaking, midrabbanan, but they permitted the final action or final stage of some process, some situation, mishum tehilatan, because their will, their vision was, we want you and me and everyone involved in the initial stages, and if we don't permit the full process, even the final stage, people won't engage in the first stage. This is many of the Mishnayot we've been learning about. It says, Ula, let me count them for you. Ve'eluhen, or lifneha dorsan, the hide, the skin, the leather, which was taken off of the animal, which you slaughtered for the holiday, is permitted to place on the ground, according to Betilel, in order for people to trample upon it, and to a certain extent, to bring it along in its process of being me'ubad, of being finished. In such a circumstance, you're dealing with an isu midrabbanan, a rabbinic violation. But the rabbi said, listen, if we don't permit this, people won't slaughter in the first place. We want people having festive, delicious meals over the course of the holiday. We'll permit in turn that final stage, the sofan, say Betilel, explains Ula, Mishum Tehilatan. Second one, Tirise Hanuyot. That's the uh, case we had in this Mishnah here on Dafyodal Famutbet. And that is in the situation where that small shop is open on the holiday to sell without exchange of money um, spices. Uh, not only were the rabbis permitting to take off what we call the teris, the opening to that chest, to, to that little uh, pop-up shop, but they permitted returning it as well. There's absolutely no sorech yom tob in returning that cover, that door to the chest. Why was it permitted? How did the rabbis find room and leniency in this context? The answer explains, We want people to be giving spices to others on the holiday. If they weren't to do so, the food would be bland. People wouldn't be making good food over the course of the holiday. Therefore, hetiru sofan, even the hazara or the hazarata tirisin, placing those uh, those uh, doors back on, is permitted. It couldn't be before. You Apparently the reality was that this was spice exchange. It could be anything that was sort of yom tov for food, no question. I keep saying it because that's the way Rashi explained to us the reality. But nonetheless, the hachamim determined that you weren't necessarily going to have it, again, based on circumstance situation. I hear what you're saying, but so it was. Lastly, says Ula, Hazarat Bamikdash. If you recall, this is a situation where Kohen can't do the Avodah, he can't do his worship and service in the Mikdash if there's what's called Hatzitzah. If on his hand he has a bandage, he won't be able to hold the knife and the animal in the appropriate way. And as a result, the Avodah will be Pesulah, it'll invalidate his Avodah. But he has a bandage, so obviously he needs to take it off. But if he takes it off and he can't put it back on, we'll discuss why in a moment, he's not going to be compelled to take it off at all. At the very least, he's going to avoid the avodah. We don't want that to happen. And as a result, if you're in the mikdash and involved in the avodah, even placing it back on afterwards was permitted. 
what would the issue be? Putting it back on. We're not allowed to put bandages on on Shabbat. The halacha is that the bandage that we were dealing with, generally speaking, came accompanied with what you called what you call miruah or mimachek, and the melacha is smoothing out. Again, in the time of the construction and uphold, upkeeping of the mikdash, it was animals' hides, animals which you would take their, uh, the, 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 what's it called, the hair of it, and you would cut it off, you would shave it off in order to smooth out the leather. But in turn, smoothing on non-viscous um, ointments and, and the like onto a person's skin is an isur of Shabbat called memareach. It's a derivative, again, of memachek. Now, if I'm taking, for argument's sake, bacitracin and uh, placing it onto my skin and then putting the bandage on, that's a problem. Um, in this circumstance, it wasn't per se that they would be doing that. If they were doing that, that's an isur from the Torah. But there's a gezerah, there's a rabbinic prohibition to even put back on that bandage at all, shemeh, because maybe you'll come to spread out, you'll come to that miruah. However, the statement over here is if you're in the Mikdash, if you're a Kohen who's involved in the worship, Avodat by Mikdash, the rabbi stated, listen, we want you doing the Avodah. At most, what we're dealing with, because we know you're not going to do a biblical violation of actually smoothing, is a rabbinic violation of putting the Ritiyah, that bandage on, will permit it. Explains Ula, again, this is a Mishnah elsewhere, which we'll address. This is Hitiru Sofan, the putting back on the bandage doesn't help the Avodah. The Avodah is done already by taking off the bandage and not having a Hatzitzah. It's Hitiru Sofan, Mishum Tehilatan. Those are the three cases of Ula. Continues the Gemara and it says, Verehada Amar Bihuda, Af Hapoteh Havito, Umathil Beisato, Algav Haregel Ve'alibadir Bihuda. So this is what we began to develop and to discuss at the end of the class yesterday. And if you recall, it goes as follows. Generally speaking, in rabbinic terminology, when we refer to talmidei hachabim, people who know, people who are knowledgeable with regards to halakha and appropriate practice, we call those haverim. And we contrast the haver, so to speak, the friend to the Torah, to halakha, to the amha'aris, to an individual who doesn't know. Haverim, whether kohanim or not, wanted to and should want to keep their foods tahor, uh, which means to say we don't want it coming in contact with any matters of tum'ah. Uh, that's, uh, that's the general practice. And as a result, throughout the year, a haver will be a little bit suspicious if he's involving himself with an amha'aretz with regards to transferring food. If the amha'aretz touches his food, we assume that ameha'aretz, again, those who are not knowledgeable in the laws, in the Torah, in the mitzvot, they're They're not handling food in, so to speak, the uh, tahor, the uh, purified fashion. And you can assume and should assume that your food is now tameh. However, what would arise on a yearly basis three times is aliyah laregel. People would be in Yerushalayim and they'd want to. Uh, it's a good time for commercial activity. It's a good time to boost the economy. It's a good time for people to get together and to be enjoying good food. And I, as a merchant, am selling in Yerushalayim. I'm one of those three regalim. And I realize I'm not going to be able to sell anything. There's a whole thousands of people who are walking by, touching my food. Imagine the shuk in Yerushalayim until today. Everybody's coming across and picking up and thinking about it, whatever. It's all going to become tamir. The statement in turn of the rabbis, basing themselves to a certain extent on a pasuk in Sefer Shofetim, is, as Gemara Mishnah and Gemara Hagigan Dav Kafav, is that when it comes to the regel, hakol haverim. 
we consider everyone, so to speak, as knowledgeable of the laws. But the guy's an Amharet. Yesterday you told me if he touches my food, I assume it's Tameh. On the holiday, for one of two reasons, Rashi says so as not to embarrass them. Alternatively, Harambam writes it's because there's a mandate. You're supposed to purify yourself before the holiday. Irrespective of that, that question, the halakha is over the course of the holiday. If anyone touches my food, there's no fear, there's no suspicion, there's no issue. It's okay, it's all going to be considered tahor. That much everybody agrees to. Here's what. Something becomes tamed. Guy touches it. Can you wash it and become tahor? What's the system? Not so simple. I mean, you could, you could, uh, depending on the. I mean, if you're dealing with wine, if you're dealing with dough, you're you're pretty much done. I mean, you're you're done, but it's not garbage per se. It's not asur to be eating food that's tamed. But it is the practice of the haverim. This is a debate until today. Uh, but the, the, in other words, that's not the, the halakha is you can't be involved with tumah when you're involved with kodesh. But if it's throughout the year and I'm not involved in kodesh, it's a minhag tov, it's a, it's a hanhagat toba. So it's not as if, but it is that nobody's going to want to buy it. Uh, maybe I'll deal with it, but nobody's going to. But on the other hand, we can't shoot money. So they had to shoot open that people wanted to do the holiday. Like, I assume this would be today or before. It's taking place over the course of the holiday as well. Holamoed. Before and after. I mean, this is this is as everyone's gathered in Jerusalem uh, for for the holiday. I mean, that all being the case. So here here is the the final thing. The holiday finishes, and the Amehaaretz, together with everyone else, there's been hundreds and thousands of people who've come by my stand there on the Rehov, whatever, in Yerushalayim. And I'm looking at all, I have so much left over. And now I realize that all the haverim in this room and all my regular merchants who are God-fearing, knowledgeable individuals, they're not going to touch any of this. Because the holiday is over and the status in turn might change and revert back to Tameh. After all, Amehaaretz did touch it. What's the status of leftover foods from that which was sold over the course of the holiday. I've left over wine, I've left over dough, I've left over whatever it is. What's the status of it now? So that is a mahlok, and it's a dispute between Rabbi Yehuda and Hachamim. And the understanding here of Rehava is that Rabbi Yehuda, who permits the food afterwards, in terms of Tumah and Tahara, considers it not Tameh. The only reason we're considering it not Tameh is in truth, in reality, we do look at that and say, oh, that's probably Tameh. However, says Rabbi Huda, that nobody's going to be selling over the course of the holiday. So since we're not dealing with a certainty situation, since Jared, it's not a halakha from the Torah per se, since we're dealing with each of these variables combined, says Rabbi Huda, after the holiday, you can continue using it provided that you sold on the holiday and this is left over from it. It's permitted, whereas the Hachamim disagree. Hachamim forbade even in such a situation. You, what happens if a person walks into your store and then I'm Haaretz? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess the assumption is throughout the year you're a little bit more selective in who you're displaying it to, you're a little bit more on top of it, and whereas in Yerushalayim it's kind of out, there's thousands of people, everybody's walking by and touching it. It's got, um, I, no, <laughs> it's got a, a, on his head, branded. We don't want them touching the wine either. Tameh, again, not unkosher. Let me be clear about this. None of this is talking about not kosher. It's talking about Tameh. And we're not talking about a person who's a non-Jew, a person who's a, you know, could, could become Tameh as well. Yeah. No, um, on the holiday not. On the holiday not, all this included, yeah. 
Um, Jeffrey, I, I, all right, I, I guess we have to, they had to be careful and were careful. I, it probably hurt your business, as a matter of fact, unless you couldn't invite everyone in in the same way, and you, I don't know, maybe I... When I tell a guy, don't touch my produce, yeah. you're alive, guys, no, 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 I'm here, I'm a good guy. He's not a good guy, I'm a good one. All right. It's a valid question. Today's day and age, uh, you're in the news for this. You know, that's... Yeah. All right. Says the Gemara, If you opened your barrel, again, to display and to sell from your wine and anything else, or you started to sell from your dough, on the holiday, you can continue afterwards, assuming that it's Tahor, that would be following the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, his opinion is you're allowed to finish. Okay, so those are the four situations. Ula had three, and Rehava, in the name of Rabbi Yehuda, added a fourth one of what we call Hitiru Sofa Mitshum Tehilata. But it's, it's gonna not going to buy from anyway. But if you're a student and an adherent of Rabbi Huda, and Rabbi Huda says okay. it's Tahor, even if you're a Haver, you did it. You know, that's like, I guess, the type of society we were dealing with. All right, anyway, says the Gemara, let's go through each of these and try to understand the novelty. Says the Gemara, what was the Hidush? Or Lifneha Dursan Tanina. The idea that the hide can be spread out in an area where a person's going to be, people are going to be walking by, it's already a Mishnah. That's not Ula. Ula comes along and says, I have three cases where the rabbis. That's explicit in the Mishnah. What would you have misunderstood in the Mishnah that we learned? Just an Amud ago and not understood and applied Ula accordingly. You perhaps, had you not had the interpretation of Ula, you would have said, perhaps, There's a Hidush, the Gemara of Ula goes as follows. You perhaps would have read the words of Betilil and understood. Clear statement. What's their statement? You're allowed to spread out the hide on Yom Tov. Oh, okay. I'll explain to you why. Oh, I know why. Because people can sit on it on Yom Tov. It has some sort of usage for Yom Tov. I might, therefore, mistakenly apply that even if the animal was slaughtered, perhaps even if it was um, skinned before Yom Tov, on Yom Tov, I could spread it out as well. I said, no, 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 you can't. The only reason the rabbis permitted doing that is so that you'll slaughter on Yom Tov. If you already slaughtered before Yom Tov, they're not permitted. I said, no, it's because it's you're sitting on it and you have a usage on Yom Tov. That's the Hidush of Ula. Let me repeat again. Had Ula not explained Betilel in the way that he did, you and I would have said, in any and every situation, if I have a hide, I could spread it out on Yom Tov. Well, why would you be able to? Well, Betilel says so. No, 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 but you're not, no, I'm understanding Betilel. Betilel's reasoning is because there is a purpose for it on the holiday. And as a result, irrespective of when I slaughtered, when I skinned it, I can spread it out on Yom Tov. That's what Ula says. No, it's not so. It's a humrah of sorts in Ula's interpretation. It's a stringency. Says Ula, the only reason the rabbis permitted is so that you will slaughter and not abstain from slaughtering. Had you not slaughtered, had you not skinned on the holiday, you're not allowed to be spreading it out. If you did it before the holiday, you can't 
applied in such a situation. That's where Ula comes in as an interpretation of Bet Hillel. Ironically, it seemed like he was being lenient with us. Ula is being stringent. He's telling us only if the slaughtering took place on the holiday. Continues the Gemara. Tiri say Hanuyot. What about the openings, the doors of sorts to these chests of these small little merchant shops? That's also our Mishnah, right here on the page, a few lines from the top. What, what did it say? Quote, Ubetilel Matirin Afla Hazir. Those were the words, the last words of the Mishnah. The Mishnah said, Betilel permit even to place back on. I don't understand. Ola, did you teach me something that I couldn't have and wouldn't have seen in the Mishnah? You assumed I knew the Mishnah. Ola, are you just are you just characterizing and just classifying rather three cases? We have it in the Mishnah. Mahutitema, perhaps. Without the interpretation of Ula, again, who explains to us the only reason this is permitted is because of Hitiru Sofan Mishum Tehilatam. It's what we are searching for in the initial stage that we permitted the final stage. You would have said not that way. Ta'amayu de Betilel, you perhaps would have a thought to say that the reason Betilel permit is Mishum de En Binyan Bekelim Ben Stira Bekelim. Fafilu de Batim Name, Kamashma'alan, Hitiru Sofan Mishum Tehilatam, de Hanuyot in. Debatim lo. Uh, so says the Gemara, had you not had the interpretation of Ula, again, you would have been more lenient than appropriate. How would you have been more lenient? You would have read the Mishnah and you would have said, Ah, Beti Leil have a dispute with Bet Shemai. What's the dispute about? It's about whether you can take off and place back on those openings to these chests, to these uh, shops. I would have said perhaps the most simple interpretation of Bet Hillel versus Bet Shammai is a question in general, not in a specific and particular situation of selling on the holiday. It's a question on holiday, on Shabbat. How do I characterize, how do I qualify this isur called binyan and stira on Shabbat? You're not allowed to, as part of our 39 malachot, construct or destruct on Shabbat or Yom Tov. What's the definition of constructing and destructing? So there is a debate, as we mentioned in the open when we were learning the Mishnah, there's a debate in general. Is it only when it's what's called mehubar lakarka, it's something that's built into the ground, a structure of permanence like a home, like a building, or is it alternatively even kelim, even utensils which are movable, which are not connected to the ground? Perhaps I would have looked at Betileo and said, ah, I know why they're permitting, because their opinion is en binyan ve en bekelim. It's permitted under all circumstances, irrespective of using spices or anything else for the holiday. Under all circumstances, you could take off, you could place back on. It's no problem. This is not the definition of binyan en stira. And as a result, I would have said, says the Gemara, afilu de batim. In, even in my home, if I have a similar chest, a similar area where I keep my food, I can not only take off the opening on Yom Tov to take the food, I could place it back on. The Hidush is, Ullah says, no, absolutely not. In your home, you can't be doing that because there is binyan stira bekelim, at the very least, midra banan, according to Beit Hillel. And you're not allowed to just take off and place back on without any purpose, without a reason. If you're in this shop where our vision as the rabbis, as the leaders is, we want people to have the spices. If we're not permitting, they're not going to be selling the spices. That's when it's permitted to take off and even to put back on the titties. If it's in your home, it wouldn't be permitted. Again, Ola's interpretation then leads us to a stringency. It's to understand the Mishnah is more narrow. The Mishnah is defined specifically only for Yom Tob is this permitted. If it's in your home and it's not a necessity of the Rabbi, on Yom Tov. It's not a necessity of the masses in order to have food. No, we're not going to be permitted. That's exactly what he said. What's the chidush? 
Ula is Ula is interpreting. In other words, in other words, uh, Jesse, you're learning. You're learning with the Instagram star, your son, and you're just learning the Mishnah here. Simple interpretation. You read the Mishnah. You turn to your son and you say to him, uh, uh, what's, "What's his name? What's Stephen? Stephen? Oh, what's the reason according to Beit Hillel that it's permitted to take off and put back on the open?" So he says, "Oh, I learned in my class. I learned in my class that there's a question about what's the definition of building on Shabbat and holiday, and this is a movable item." And so, so you say, oh, that's interesting. So then he says to you, but daddy, I have a question. Why does the Mishnah only say it about the shops? And you say, I'm not sure about that. Maybe it applies even in our kitchen. That's the mistake you would make had you not had Ola. Ola says, no, 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 it doesn't apply in your kitchen. It only applies for purpose of the holiday so that we get the spices to the people out in the Hanuyot, not in your home. It's a stringency. Yeah, our Mishnah the wouldn't have... Is the, the, the end result. Oh, that's Ola. That is... Where, that is Ula's statement. That is Ula. We're defining what Ula's novelty is in that statement. You follow? That's correct. Nathan points out that keep in mind as well, if you have that chest in your home, if you have the cupboard in your home, you're not allowed to place it back on. What do you mean? I need, my wife needs, we need the spices for our food, whatever's in that cupboard. That's not sufficient in this context, amazingly, the Gemara is suggesting, to be permitting. Where slaughtering an animal for an individual is, these, this situation we're suggesting would not be, we're not considering that sort of Yom Tov. Indeed it is so. No, 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 he's saying the shopkeeper is permitted. Because the shopkeeper is not permitted for his own sin. Oh, that's what you're saying? Oh, interesting. Interested. Oh, okay. Like, I Interesting. So that's what I thought Nathan was arguing, and, and that's what is interesting, and we're not permitting. In your home? But the Gemara is telling us not so. Not going to be a problem. No. The problem here specifically is because of the placement back on and the taking off. This was a semi-permanent item that you're taking off and putting on. The shelf, I imagine, is not. It's just on pegs of some sort. In the house, you'd have... You see, I explained it to you, and I think properly, as these pop-up shops. Look at it as something smaller than that. Look at it as a chest of sorts. It's a cupboard, which is not built into your wall per se, in which you have a similar thing. You have the the, the item which goes onto it, which is stuck in from the side, and you're taking that off or closing it back up. That's what you're dealing with in this situation. So a kiosk, a miniature kiosk in your home, not the kids are playing with, in your kitchen, and you're taking it off in order to take things out of it and then to place it back on. No problem in such a situation. Here, and the Gemara will explain this to us in the ensuing lines at the bottom of the Amud, it's talking about specifically something that's stuck in. We'll talk about exactly the definition and the halakha on that. What's that? Hinges, that's right. It'll be a question of what type of hinges. We say to you, for your home, you should have prepared better. We say for the masses, all right, we got to take care of it. 
It, it, correct. In other words, don't think that we're not permitting opening cabinets. We're talking about a cabinet which is more hinged than the standard cabinet. You're taking something off that was semi-permanent. So obviously, that according to Ula, there is there is, according to Beti, according to Betcham, I were assuming, and we'll see this later on, Min HaTorah, there's Binyan and Stira B'Kelim. According to Beti Leil, there's Binyan and Stira B'Kelim, Midr Abbanan. Because otherwise it can't be Mati. Yeah, Midr Abbanan, Midr Abbanan. How are you permitting on the Hanuyot? Well, how is Beit Shammai disagreeing? Because they would hold its Minha Torah. Says the Gemara, lastly, with regards... We can't, we can't address separately. Hacham Vadya Yosef explicitly permits most Legos and puzzles, different situation. Um, in puzzles, the question is, what's the objective of the person when they're putting it together? To frame it on the wall and to leave and to glue it like, like that forever? That could be a problem. If it's to put it together and take it apart, you're not really dealing with, with such an issue. Uh, well, again, not if you're gonna then detach it minutes afterwards. Puzzles, the poskim, for one reason or another, also talk about maybe it has some derivative of kotev in putting together a picture. There's a, the 39 Bilachot book raises that, but the general consensus on that is that that's permitted as well. All right, says the Gemara here, uh, but again, with regards to Lego, there is a question in poskim for this, for, for this reason with regards to Binyan Bekelim. Says the Gemara uh, on the, the first wide line, what about Retiyah Bamikdash? Retiyah Bamikdash, that's the bandage in the Mikdash. Nametanina, we furthermore, and as well, have a explicit Mishnah. It's in Masechet Eruvin and Dafkof Bet. Oh, wait a second, Ula, I thought you were telling us something we didn't know. But the Mishnah tells us already, Mahazirin Ritiyaba Mikdash, Avaloba Medina. Medina means outside of the Mikdash. You're allowed to, in the Mikdash, return the bandage onto you after you took it off on Shabbat or Yom Tov. So what did you tell me that I didn't know, Ula? Obviously, Ula is going to tell us it's more narrow, just like it did in the other two cases, than would have met the eye if you just learned this Mishnah. Mahu de tema ta'amamai mishum de'en shibut wa mikdash avilu kohen de'la bar avodahu. Period. Ula tells us the following. says, listen, you learn the Mishnah together with your child, together with your grandchild, and you say to yourself, as without knowledge of the Gemara and Ula and the, all the Sevarot attached to it, you say, listen, I'm trying to understand this. Why is the Mikdash different than the Medina? Why is it different for the Kohen and the Mikdash than someone outside? Oh, I know why. Because we have this concept. It's called En Shevut Ba Mikdash. En Shevut Ba Mikdash means that when you're in the Mikdash, Makom Kadosh, Hashra'at HaShechinah, you're not making these mistakes. The mistakes that the rabbis are nervous you'll make, that you might come to smooth it out, that's what you and I in our small homes, in our streets, in our areas, we make those mistakes. In the Mikdash, your mind is on. You're mindful and you're intent on your purpose. And as a result, you don't make those sorts of mistakes. And as a result, perhaps, I'm not a Kohen who's slaughtering or holding the animal. I'm just moving wood across the Mikdash. I'm dealing with There's no Isu, there's no problem of Hatzitza in such a circumstance. I'm not involved in the Avodah, in an actual worship and, and, and service of the Mikdash, which necessitates that my hands be directly touching whatever I'm handling. Maybe in that situation as well, though. I'm not going to make a mistake. And Shavut Ba Mikdash. Shavut means an Isu Midrabanan, a rabbinic violation. We don't make those sorts 
sorts of mistakes when we're plugged in, when we're straight. And maybe therefore not only the Kohen who's involved in the worship in the Mikdash, which necessitates that he be direct without any bandage, but even another Kohen who's in the Mikdash is permitted, says Ulan, not so fast. The only reason why the rabbis permitted putting the bandage back on, the only reason they said we don't fear right now that you're going to make that mistake of memareah is because we want you doing the avodah. If we don't permit you putting it back on, you won't do the avodah. If you're not engaged in the avodah at all, it's not permitted. What do you mean, enchevut ba mikdash? That would be right. There's no It's not about tahara over here. It's about about hatzitza. There's no tahara No, that's not it's not tameh. And in terms of eating, there's no issue. There's no problem of hatzitza. In terms of being ready, so then I had the bandage on. They call me. They say, I'm not a queen, but they call you. They say, I need you now. So you take the bandage off, and now you're involved in the avodah, and now you can put it back on. But while you're not, you can't be taking it off and putting it back on. That's the suggestion of Ula, that it's only, again, perhaps you would have said, two lines into the wide lines, what is the reasoning that he te- um, that, that you're allowed to be mahazira taretia, you're allowed to return the bandage. Mishum de'en shevut bamikdash. The purpose and the reason is because shevut, which means rabbinic violations, rabbinic restri- restrictions with regard to Shabbat, doesn't apply at all in the mikdash for the reasons I suggested. And therefore, afilu kohen, even a kohen delav bar avodahu, even a kohen who's not engaged in the worship, he too. If he's in the Mikdash, should be able to be Mahazir Taretia, Kamash Ma'lan. Ula teaches us it's not so. Hitiru Sofa Mishum Tahilatan, Debar Avoda in. If you're involved in the worship, yes. Delav Bar Avoda, lo, period. All right, we need to deal now with the last, the fourth case. Ula gave us those three cases. Then we had Rehava Beshem Rabbi Huda, who told us as well the Potehat Havito Baregel. What's that situation? What's the novelty? That as well, as I mentioned, is a Mishnah Masechet Hagigandaf Kavav. So we have Mishnayot here, Mishnayot in Eirovit. Well, but the rabbis in the time of the Gemara must be telling us something we didn't know. Says the Gemara Potehet Haviton Nameh. Lastly, that case where you opened up your barrel of wine. You, you opened up the uh, dough to be sold over the course of the holiday. Tanina. That case as well. Nameh Tanina. We have a Mishnah explicitly stating, quote, HaPotehet Haviton. If a person opens up his produce to be sold on the holiday, Rabbi Yehuda Omer Yigmor, Hachamim Omrim, Lo Yigmor, Mahlok between Yehuda and Hachamim about whether you're allowed to after the holiday, Behezkat Tahara, to assume that it continues its purified nature, which we gave it that stature and status on the holiday, and now sell it to everyone else after the holiday. Forget about the Kohanim, but even the Haverim in general, can they buy from you after the holiday if they want to keep the Tahara? It's explicit. You taught me something I didn't know. Perhaps you would say, Lo 
the Hidush explains the Gemara, the novelty, what was the addition of Rehavah B'Shem Rabbi Yudah, goes like this. If I'm taking a step back, and the truth is at the end of class yesterday, we were debating this. Everyone was a little bit struggling with this. I said, this is going to be the crux of the matter later in the Gemara. It goes like this. I'm on the holiday, and we're talking one to another. I say, you know what the rabbi just told me? I didn't know about this. I can open up all my stuff on the holiday. I can continue selling it after the holiday, even to the... Um, even to Haverim. So, oh, that's fantastic. What do you think the reason is? I'm not sure. I think it has something to do with the holiday. It's like a cleansing time. And as a result, the holiday, irrespective of who touches it, who goes near it, it's cleansed. It's Tahor. So your friends say, oh, that's fantastic. Because you know something? On the holiday, I was thinking about selling my goods, and then I realized my goods weren't really fully prepared yet. So I opened up my shop in Jerusalem, and I, started, I was thinking about selling it. A few people came by, and they were rummaging through it. And then I closed the shop. I didn't end up selling anything. Can I sell that stuff now? So he says, of course I can, your friend says. Because on the holiday, everybody's cleansed. Magically, the rabbis say, everyone lost their chazkat tumah. And now I'm going to continue selling that without a problem. That's a mistake, explains Rehavah B'Shem Rabbi Yudah. The only reason why and the only circumstance situation when it's permitted to continue selling that produce as if it is Tahor is if you began selling it on the holiday. Began selling it on the holiday, say the rabbis, you're not going to begin selling it on the holiday if we don't permit you selling it afterwards. However, if on the holiday, you didn't begin, you didn't, you didn't begin selling anything, we're not cleansing it after the holiday. We're not going to state that it actually metaphysically changed status. We say, we're winking at you and we're saying, yeah, it's like Tahor. As Nathan said, he doesn't understand how anyone who's a true Haver is then going to listen to this if it's not actually Tahor. Okay, but it means that this Tuman Tahara, keep in mind, is not a halakha per se, because eating Tuman Tahara outside of uh, uh, Kiddushah circumstances is not really a halakha, it's a minhag tob, and as a result, that is apparently what many people will follow. But that's the Hidush over here. The Hidush is that the only situation, again, so it goes like this, Mahu five lines, six lines into the wide lines, Tum'at Am Ha'aretz, the Tum'ah which we confer upon the Am Ha'aretz, the, the uh, ignoramus, Baregel on the holiday, Kitahara Shavua Rabbanan. The rabbis cleansed it entirely. Ve'afal Gavan, even if, perhaps even if you didn't start to sell, you decided not to sell. But the Am Ha'aretz touched it. Kamash Ba'lan, it's not so. Hitiru Sofa Mishum Tahilatan. The rabbis permitted Rabbi Huda and that Mishnah permitted continue selling it if you continued selling it. If you didn't sell at all on the holiday, in lo lo, it would not be permitted to assume it's betahara afterwards. What's that? I, my guess is not okay. I mean, it's an interesting question. You have guests. We also want to, you know, the idea is for inclusion for Simchat Yom Tov. I'm not certain. Uh, as Nathan says, is it only buying and selling en masse? Is it only uh, Am Yisraelish? Well, it's families. I'm having a lot of guests over. And I want to invite Ami Haaretz. Yeah, So Jared, Jared says that if we follow both Rashi and Harambam's reasoning, embarrassment or actual tahara, uh, he says that extension would apply even in this situation. I hear you. 
I hear you. Okay. All right. To be determined. Says the Gemara, closing lines over. Ve'ula ma'ita'ama lo amar ha. Answers the Gemara. Be'plukta la kamayre. Hanachna me'plukta aninu. Be'chamay be'makom be'tilei le'na mishnah. Period. Says the Gemara. Ula, who counted three. How come he didn't count four? What was wrong with that fourth one? The one of Rehava b'shem Rabbi Yehuda. Says the Gemara. Ula be'plukta la kamayre. He was dealing with situations where there's no mahluk. In that case, it's Rabbi Yehuda versus Hachamim. Yeah, he agrees with it. But that's only Rabbi Yehuda. Ula wanted to be clean. Everyone's been. Says the but at these, these cases also have mahluk. It's Bet Shammai versus Bet Hilel. Says Ula with a big smile. You really consider that two opinions? Bet Hilel and Bet Shammai? Bet Shammai is nothing in the place of Bet Hilel. Rabbi Uda versus Hachamim, okay. Bet Shammai versus Bet Hilel. Everybody knows it's Bet Hilel. It's as if only Bet Hilel's opinion was recorded. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Amen.